The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Two of the disciples of Jesus were on their way to a village called Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking together about all that had happened. Now, as they talked this over, Jesus himself came up and walked by their side. But something prevented them from recognizing him. He said to them, what matters are you discussing as you walk along? They stopped short, their faces downcast. Then one of them, called Cleopas, answered him, You must be the only person staying in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have been happening there these past few days. What things? he asked. All about Jesus of Nazareth, they answered, who proved he was a great prophet by the things he said and did in the sight of God and of the whole people, and how our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death and had him crucified. Our own hope had been that he would be the one to set Israel free. Then he said to them, You foolish men, so slow to believe the full message of the prophets. Was it not ordained that the Christ should suffer and so enter into his glory? Then starting with Moses and going through all the prophets, he explained to them the passages throughout the scriptures that were about himself. When they drew near to the village to which they were going, he made as if to go on, but they pressed him to stay. It is nearly evening, they said, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Now while he was with them at the table, he took the bread and said the blessing. Then he broke it and handed it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. But he had vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us as he talked to us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? They set out that instant and returned to Jerusalem. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Part of the task of us as people of faith is to be filled with the living presence of Jesus. Because Jesus isn't just some historical figure like you know, the philosophies we draw on or inspirational people that have gone before us. But Jesus is risen. And in fact, the risen Lord is everywhere. There's nowhere that he isn't. Therefore, God bless you. You get to, you're installed the porter from now on. The, door, the doorkeeper. <laughs> see, see, the Lord prefers open doors. Um, where was I? Jesus is everywhere, right? Um, and if we want to be filled with his presence, he gives us a spectacular means. He gives a, a, a wonderful gift to enjoy his presence as something real, as something affective, um, as something we experience, as something we can share. And in short, that's the sacramental life. It's, it's the beautiful life that punctuates our life of faith. Um, so I wanted to talk to us about the sacraments. I wanted us to talk together about the sacraments. One, because it comes to us so profoundly in today's gospel. Two, because just yesterday, last night in Calliope, we baptized a beautiful little girl, Louise Ann, and, and she entered this great journey that we're all on. And three, because today joining us from Anogra is uh, Cecilia and David, and they're going to speak to us about one of the, one of the sacraments of service or mission. Um, 
But let's, let's get our bearings with, with the sacraments themselves. What are the sacraments? Where do we begin? What's typically the first one we might call to mind? Baptism. Baptism. The word literally means to be immersed. So what is baptism? Well, it's to be immersed in the divine life, the inner life of the Trinity, baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And thus, the great journey of life with God begins. Of course, we're all ipso facto in relationship with God by virtue of existing. But by baptism, we sort of plunge deep into an intentional participation with it. And so baptism does something to us. As we heard in that reading, um, we become adopted sons and daughters with Christ, co-heirs with, with him, sharing in what he alone shares in by right. There's only one son of the Father, but we're all children now, begotten in him, adopted into him. Um, we say it washes us of original sin, which sort of jars our modern thinking. We think, well, how can innocent people have sin to deal with? But this is the world we live in. Long before we do evil things, we're going to encounter brokenness in the world. Bishop Barron says, you know, when someone is born into a dysfunctional family, like let's say uh, there's a mother who's addicted to cocaine and that baby is born. The baby is innocent, sure, but we would be doing them a great disservice to think that infant doesn't have something compromising their flourishing, you know, and it's going to have to be addressed. Well, baptism is, is... this, this means of addressing it. Uh, we say we are grafted into the mystical body of Christ. You remember Jesus saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. A more intimate union with Jesus is hard to imagine. The same divine sap that flows into him then flows out into all of us so that we can be fruitful, produce fruit that never, never withers. And many other things, baptism begins. It opens the door to much, much more. Next would be, what, what's the next sacrament? Confirmation, which completes our baptism. Yeah? We sometimes mistakenly think that we receive the Holy Spirit at baptism, it's, at, at confirmation. It's even in the prayers, receive the Holy Spirit. But in fact, we received it at baptism. Confirmation is, is an entering into the maturation of our relationship with God. A mature relationship with the Spirit bears fruit. And we know the fruit from Galatians, peace, gentleness, love, uh, uh, patience, long-suffering, etc., um, etc. Et Clear markers of the Spirit of God at work in a person's life. Um, and the Spirit gives gifts as well that allow us to, to try and live that life. Wisdom, knowledge, uh, understanding, right judgment, courage, fear of the Lord, and so forth. Uh, next would be the Eucharist, and then those three form what we'd call the sacraments of initiation. If you've been baptized, if you've been confirmed, if you've come to the table of the Lord and partaken of that, then you're a Catholic. <laughs> you know, you've, that's, that's, um, that's what it is to enter deep into this, this life. And the church doesn't hesitate to call the Eucharist, what we gather for right now, the source and summit of the Christian life. I think this is such a scandalous claim to make. It's a big, big claim. Think about that. The source and summit. That means everything we could ever think to do as Christians from building orphanages, to erecting universities, to going out and feeding the poor, to um, whatever else that we do in our Christian life. The church makes this kind of outrageous claim that the Eucharist is the source of that. It all streams from there. And then it all returns back to the bread on the altar. 
it must be something more than just a little two gram wafer of flour and water. It is in fact the Lord himself nourishing the world, entering into a broken world, breaking himself in the process, and then gathering us up again. It's wonderful. All of this, um, we have some fancy words for it. We might call it theosis or, or deification, which means being drawn so into the life of God that we become like him. We start to radiate the very presence of the divine in our humble you know, states. And I have to say, I find this such an ironic fact in the Catholic life, because think back to Genesis. What was it that threw humanity out of relationship with God in the first place? Trying to be like God. It's ironic, isn't it? It's like there was something right, but there was something wrong. Are we, are we to share in the divine life? Are we to be, in fact, like God, with God? Yes. But that's, that's the crux. It's always with him through him, in him, as we say in our prayers. We can never ever become anything like God apart from him or over and against him or <laughs> in disobedience to him, etc., etc. Every attempt to, to sort of find my own way to godliness is going to fall infinitely short. It's going to dissatisfy. Um, it's going to be a sort of horrible tragedy for me and the world to see. But no, God calls us to this theosis, deification, being made like him. Um, next we'd have uh, the, the sacraments of healing, and that would be reconciliation and um, an anointing of the sick. And actually, the Mass itself is, is, is one of those sacraments of healing. Embedded in the Mass are penitential acts and stuff where we come as sinners in need of, in need of healing, you know? So unless there's something very heavy on our conscience, the Mass itself is, is um, redeeming us, is drawing us back into, into communion when we've maybe fallen a little bit short as we, as we do from time to time. Um, and then finally we have the sacraments of, of, of mission or service, the vocations that God's calling us to. Married life, um, religious life, the priestly vocation, and um, what, what we sometimes call single generous life in Christ. Um, some would say this isn't really a vocation, but I think it is. It might be a, a difficult one to discern because it's sort of not quite clear. I don't think anyone starts their life saying, I'm called to the single generous life in Christ. You don't, you don't think that way. People would be doing that as a, as a child anyway. You know, you'd hope a child has a single, single generosity to live in the joy of God as a child. Um, but I've found that in every parish, there's invariably maybe a small handful of people who are clearly not searching for the next thing. They've found their little niche where they're tremendously fruitful. They might be teachers or they might be nurses or they might be, um, you know, uh, I don't know, involved in some random place of the society. And, and that's just become knitted up in their, their identity as Catholics. And they're living it out very, very fruitfully. It would be a mistake to think, or they haven't yet found their vocation. Well, maybe they're exactly where God wants them, um, as, as branches, very, very fruitful on the vine. Um, look, in short, that's, that's some of what we mean by, by the sacramental life, and it's, and it's a beautiful life. The sacraments, to use that Augustinian phrase, are an outward sign of an inward grace. Sometimes I think 
certainly the outside world, but maybe even us Catholics at times. We look at the rituals, we look at the symbols, we look at all the, all the rubrics and all the paraphernalia, and we think, this is all just complicated, you know, ritual stuff that we don't need. And, and you might say, well, in a sense, sure, you can empathize with that thought, because we need the Lord. But it would be a mistake to set one against the other, because in fact, who is the living water who baptizes us into himself? Who is the oil of gladness, the oil of salvation that chrismates us, you know, embalms us in that wonderful, aromatic, joyous, uh, vivacious presence? Um, who is the living bread come down from heaven who nourishes not just our stomachs, but our, but our very being, you know, sustains us eternally? Who is, um, who is to be glimpsed? in the love shared between spouses as they walk life's journeys, sorrows, joys, triumphs, failures. Who's to be heard, hopefully, in my silly <laughs> words while I'm preaching the gospel to you? Not me. Please never ever subscribe to the, <laughs> to the magisterium of Ashwin. We'll all go off the cliff very quick. Um, it's the Lord. It's the Lord in our midst. Today challenges us, I think, to see the Lord, to have our hearts burn again. In the breaking of the bread, we see him. In the pouring of the water, we see him. In the anointing of the oil, in the forgiving of sins, in the mission to the poor and the outcast. The Lord is with us because he promised and his promises are sure. Behold, I am with you even to the end of the age.